Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Liebhoff. Joining me in just a moment are my friends, colleagues, betting role models, Anthony DeBundo, BJ Cunningham. But before I bring in those two gentlemen and we break down the 16 remaining matches of the group stage in the World Cup, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1, one buck, get 200 free. Okay, a lot to go over. 16 matches remaining in the group stage. There is a clear headliner for us here. If you're listening to us from sea to shining sea in the United States, it is Iran. And the United States. So let's start there. This is Group B. Iran get through to the knockout round with a draw or a win. United States, they need to win. The odds are USA even money favorites. Iran three to one on the three-way money line at Bet three six five. The draw is plus two forty. So odds makers are telling us it's a 50-50 chance that the Americans go home their first World Cup since twenty fourteen, and fifty fifty that they. Don't advance to the knockout stages. Anthony, you're going to wear the black hat for us on the show. Break it down. Yeah, I really don't want to bet against the United States in an elimination match at the World Cup. Uh, and I'm not sure that I will yet, but I am definitely betting both teams to score yes, plus 110. I think that is a little bit undervalued. And I agree with Michael's point and his bet that, you know, you get these matches where the total gets a bit deflated. And if you've watched the United States, they've looked great defensively and have looked a little bit suspect going forward the first two matches. But if you go back to, to CONCACAF qualifying, you know, the, the bigger questions we have about this United States team have actually come in defense. And I think Iran has the kind of running type, you know, channel running type forwards that can cause problems for the United States. 
with Asmoon and Taremi. And I think Iran knows that, yes, they can defend low for 90 minutes, but that they're probably going to need to score at some point to get through here. And I think they will look dangerous on the counter. They looked excellent in transition and on the counter against Wales. I know they didn't score until the 98th minute, but they hit the post early. They created over one expected goal prior to that. Uh, the two, you know, bangers that they scored, Chisemi and, uh, and then the 101st, you know, kind of cap it off. But I think Iran has kind of shown what we thought about them before the England match when I said how compact they were and they gave up <laughs> six goals to the English. They're so compact. So compact. And look, they, they looked great defensively against Wales. And I think that they uh, will cause a lot of problems for the United States. It's the same kind of matchup where we've talked about it. The United States can progress the ball up the wings. They can have a lot of good dribblers, but they don't have great passers. And, and the result of that leads to a lot of dead end attacks. And, and we'll see what Burhalter does. We don't know yet. We're recording this right after uh, the Uruguay-Portugal match Monday. But I'll be interested to see what the lineup is. But I'm going to be taking both teams to score at plus money. And I lean toward Iran plus a half because I don't think the gap between these two teams really is that big. Yeah, you alluded to it. I like chaos in these kind of situations. We'll talk about there's a couple of matches that kind of fit this where you want to bet against the narrative of Iran just needs a draw. So they're going to defend with their lives. The USA wants a one nil win and they'll score and then they'll defend with their lives and it'll turn into a rock fight. You'll see that the under is usually over valued and bets correlated to the under are overvalued. We see this in the Champions League a lot when these kind of situations happen in like the second legs of matches as well. So I actually like the United States parlayed with the over or, you know, parlayed with both teams to score. In other words, the United States to win a crazy match um, and then have some fun with it. Of course, like we're never going to judge anybody for taking the United States and betting on them. It does seem like they're going to be, they're going to be paying a tax. What, what's more American than paying a, a little bit of a, a tax on the United States of America considering where they closed against Wales, right? Like now they're going to be even money against Iran. If you're looking for a way to bet the United States, I'm going to be betting the United States. I'm, if you're talking about a, a bet that I actually suggest here, I like parlaying the money line with either the over or the both teams to score, but I, I will definitely be on the U.S. money line. And I also think if you think that the United States is going to win this match, it is worth betting and looking at the futures market on the U.S. men's national team here. The path is wide open. And I think what we've seen, one of the major lessons we've seen from this world cup, there are very few good teams in this tournament. <laughs> there are very, very few really good teams. And if, if the United States catches a break, like they could play Ecuador, they could play Senegal in the next round. They could play the Netherlands. Are you afraid of any of them? No. And, and then maybe they'll play Argentina. Are you afraid of them? No. Like it's it, the path is open. Is the point I'm making. So have some fun. Hopefully this team doesn't blow it. BJ. What do you think? I do actually like the Americans here against Iran. Like I understand we don't have great passers to, to make line breaking passes in between, you know, the lines for Iran, kind of like England was able to do once they got into about the 35th minute or so. But the bigger point here is that Iran's defense, although it is very compact, it really wasn't that great coming into the tournament. Like they were very, very fortunate. They conceded eight goals throughout qualifying off around 17 expected. So the six goals against England was kind of just regression overdue. And the two, I mean, throughout qualifying, they basically, the only two matches that they had to play is a team at the level of the United States was South Korea. And they conceded over 1.7 expected goals in both those matches against them. Plus everyone in their back two lines of four doesn't play in one of Europe's top five leagues. So like the talent gap between the United States and Iran here in terms of the midfield is actually quite drastic. So I think Musa McKenney and Adams should be able to control the midfield. But to Anthony's point, 
can we make those line breaking passes in between the lines to actually get a ball through the middle like we were able to against Wales? I'm not so sure. The United States, if they're going to play the ball out wide, we've crossed the ball 46 times and completed four of them. So that is a tad concerning going up against this very, very compact Iran defense. But again, Iran is still on a second choice goalkeeper right now. I don't think that their goalkeeper is coming back after the concussion he suffered in the first match. So Again, we'll see what happens with the United States lineup. I mean, they could just go Haji Wright, Jordan Morris, and Christian Rodelon on the left, and we could just end this thing right now. Or maybe we could actually play our best player, Gio Reyna, and go win this match. So we'll see what Bear Halter does. Um, he's probably going to sit Reyna again because he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I do like the United States on the money line at plus 105. I do project them at minus 131. I do think the talent gap is actually kind of drastic between the United States and Iran, especially get the United States midfield against the Iranian defense midfield. Yeah. Uh, Bear Halter uh, made, made a little bit of a mistake there by just settling for the draw and giving people like Anthony who loves himself a, a moral victory where you can point to the XG and say, we deserve better when it served no purpose. Uh, you know, draw was the same as a loss pay pretty much mm-hmm. there. We don't, we don't play our best players here. In the yeah. United nah. States. We don't, why would we do I don't, that? I don't know what's going on there. Uh, let's talk about Wales and England. The other group B match, a reminder, all these matches will, happen simultaneously within their own group. They want to avoid a situation that we saw in 1982, the disgrace of Guillon, uh, where Austria and West Germany had a handshake agreement to draw 1-1 because uh, that scoreline would get both of them through and, and eliminate Algeria. So now we, we see simultaneous kickoffs within the groups. These are the 2 p.m. kickoffs, Group B. Um, group A will kick off at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Wales, uh, plus 7.50, taking on England, Minus 225, the draw is plus 320. The Welsh are coming off a dismal performance against Iran. What did we say about this team? They profile terribly in those kind of situations where they are the favorite. Uh, But I think that they actually will be a little bit better here against England. I think that, I mean, I'm going to bet them because I'm going down with the ship. I I said from the get-go that this is going to be a good tournament team. And I still think there's a little bit of magic left in these old Welsh bones. And what, what, like, England is in a weird spot. Like, they're through. They're like, te- technically, they're not in, but like, they're through. They're fine. This is like, this is, they've already won this group. It's this fine. is typical Gareth Southgate. Like, he will manage the situation rather than the game, I would, I would assume. So, I think Wales are actually worth a little bit of a sprinkle here on the money line as they just go for it, clatter into those English legs and try to just make life miserable for them for 90 minutes before they get through to the round of 16 Wales to advance needs a win. And then they need Iran and USA to draw or Anthony, or they need to beat England by four goals. What are your thoughts here? I don't have a strong opinion. I just, you know, I was wondering if BJ had an opinion on his England love after they were completely flat against. Listen, the you can't States. have perfect performances throughout an entire tournament. Okay. Everybody's going to have one bad performance. And that was England's bad performance. So it is what it is. We'll get through. We'll get through the group. Here. We'll I will say you both, match up. We'll be you both were talking about Jude Bellingham. And what did I tell you? I was like, he, he can be erased pretty easily by yeah, by Jordan Ty- Henderson. Tyler Adams, the best midfielder in the on the planet. If you put Tyler Adams on a good team, good God, he might be one of the best team. Hmm, you know, some strikers. He might yeah. be a golden ball candidate right now. Anyway, Anthony, finish your, your thought here. Yeah, I've got nothing here. I'm passing. Ultimately, uh, I do think England is kind of going to play the same way they played the first two matches with the handbrake on. And and sometimes all of your shots go in like they did against Iran. And sometimes they don't at all like the match against the United States. You know, uh, a lot of what happened in the early parts of the United States, England match would, I think it would have played out a lot differently if Pulisic takes his chance, Kane takes his chance, McKenney takes his chance. And that's kind of the, the other thing about these international tournaments. So they're so game state dependent. So many first halves have been either zero, zero 
or oh shit, one team scored. Now we gotta go. We gotta go score, and there's like three goals in the yep. first half. There's literally no in between. Every every game is either nil nil snoozer, or you know if you watched Portugal Uruguay today, zero zero. One team scores, and now Uruguay creates 100 expected goals in the next five minutes. So did they score on any of them? Because no, they <laughs> I don't they think did they did somehow. Because Portugal's no, the did. best team in the world, guys. Uh, anyway, yeah, I've got nothing here for England Wales. I'll be passing. All my attention will be focused on the United States, uh, and hopefully and you're cashing your you're both, both teams, teams to score. score ticket there. BJ, like Anthony said, you you've been all about this England team uh-huh. basically since before the last yep. Euros when they disappointed with a runner-up finish. Uh, <laughs> do you uh, do you see any way to attack them at this number against this team, a, a Welsh team that you know what, what what do they have to lose? Maybe this game features seven or eight goals. Yeah. So before the tournament, this line was hovering around minus 160, minus 170. And obviously now it's been bet up way, way out of range where you can actually bet England because, you know, you worry about them getting margin here. But this is a game theory one where Wales, they can't just sit back in their low block. They got to come out. They got to press, which is going to create a lot of openings for England. Now, what was the difference between the Iran match and the England match? Or sorry, the, the uh, U.S. match and the Iran match for England? The U.S. did an incredible job covering up the middle of the pitch and not allowing easy passes to Bellingham and to Mounts. Like you basically what you saw for most of the first half and even throughout the second half is just John stones and Harry Maguire were just passing the ball back and forth to each other because there was just no openings and no lanes. So they eventually had to get it out wide to Shaw or Trippier and play a lot of stuff from out wide. Well, Wales, if this was a normal match where they could just sit back and and look to counter, that's fine. But like you said, Michael, they have to go for this. They need a win to have any shot of getting through in this group, which is going to create a lot of openings for England to pick out passes similar to how they were able to do it against Iran. And guess what? Danny Ward's going to be in goal because Wayne Hennessy got a red card. And Danny Ward conceded the final two goals off of 0.8 post-shot expected plus minus. He's at minus 3.3 for the season for Leicester. So that you also have to factor that in for Wales. So if, you know, if, if Wales is going to have to play open, like England has looked vulnerable. So Wales could pick them off for one here, but I do like over two and a half goals at minus one four, because I think Wales playing open leaves just a horrible situation for them with all of England's t- attackers getting through the lines and Wales. I mean, they're gassed. Like they have no depth at whatsoever outside of their starting 11 and England has just so, so much depth. So I wouldn't be shocked if England put three or four pass because Gareth Southgate's one of the best managers in the world. <laughs> All right. So those are the two. P- I don't know how he up. says it with a straight face. <laughs> those are the two. We p- made it to the Euro final. We lost on penalties. What more do you At home. We played every game at home. That, uh, yeah, you know, just some variants went went against us. That's all. <laughs> us. Uh, the uh, <laughs> those are the two PM games. I'm part the, of the team now, Anthony. The, the 10 AM games are uh, Group A. Ecuador. I tried to tell you guys. Uh, they're plus 137 against Senegal, who are plus 225. The draw is plus 220 in that match. Ecuador avoids defeat. If they avoid defeat, they get through. Uh, Senegal uh, needs a win or a draw, and the Qatar to think beat Netherlands by two or something it's not going to happen so it's basically an elimination uh game with Ecuador holding the advantage uh, or the draw protection the Netherlands are very likely through they're minus 450 against Qatar who are 11 to 1 on the money line the draw is plus 550 man those those Qatar conspiracy theories they played out pretty well here I think let's we'll start with Ecuador and Senegal you guys are on different sides of the money line so before I flip it over to you guys and you guys can have your little cat fight. I'm on the over here in a similar vein to the Iran USA match. The over two and a half is sitting around plus 156. I think that's pretty crazy for considering the situation. An early goal here 
sends this game off the rails. If Ecuador scores, Senegal needs to score two. If Senegal scores, then Ecuador needs to get a draw. So uh, I'll play into that narrative, like what, like the Iran-USA match. I think people are expecting this to be a rock fight where Ecuador sit deep and dare Senegal to win 1-0. Uh, and you know, Senegal, of course, they're missing Sadio Mane, but they've. I think both these teams have kind of shown enough going forward, Ecuador especially, even with Valencia carrying an injury, basically. <laughs> he keeps getting hurt at the end of every match. He's 22-1 to 1 for Golden Boot, by the way, everybody out there. And he's currently tied with... Uh, he's going to play Buffett. again. He, uh, I'm just saying, Michael. Yeah, but I, I think that uh, just backing a chaotic match here is, is worth it. And, you know, if it's two and a half, if you want to play an over three and a half, four and a half, look, these are going to be the matches before the USA game. So it, it'll make time go by faster, betting an over two and a half and then watching a nil nil in the 83rd minute. Uh, so join me there. I'll let, turn it over to you too. BJ, I'll cede the floor to you because this is kind of funny. Trader. Yeah, I got to put my hand up. Um, I was wrong about Ecuador. I thought coming into this tournament that they were a little overvalued, that they're even expecting gold differential throughout, you know, Copa America and World Cup qualifying combined with the fact that they just hadn't been good against good competition in South America was going to hurt them here. And the Netherlands match just completely changed my mind. I mean, after the Gakpo goal, Netherlands took one shot for the remainder of the match and Ecuador beat them on expected goals 1.7 to 0.07. And listen, Netherlands did a good job of controlling the middle of the pitch. Like I thought De Jong did a good job doing that, but Ecuador was incredible in defending their penalty area because they didn't allow a shot inside there. And Netherlands had just five penalty box touches. So now you look at this match. I think this is honestly one of the more fun matches of the entire last one, because the game theory is so interesting here because you have to assume that Ecuador has to assume that Netherlands is going to be Qatar. So if they assume that, then they have to go for this win and say, okay, we want to avoid England in the round of 16 and give ourselves a better draw. Right. But then you also have to couple that with the fact like, Oh crap. But if we lose, we're done. So I think Ecuador is going to play how they typically play, which is they sit back. They don't usually press high. They sit in a mid block and they just set these pressing traps and then just hit you on the counter, which is I assuming I'm assuming how they're going to play in this one and Senegal I mean, they have to go for it. They have to play very, very open. They're very, they were a slow, intricate team throughout AFCON. And you kind of saw that against Qatar as well. They did score three goals against Qatar, but that was only off of, you know, 0.7 expected. So now in two matches against Netherlands, Qatar, they're at 1.8 expected goals. They still don't have Sadio Mane. So I do like Ecuador. I think that what, from what I've seen from them is they've shown no fear. I don't think they're going to be this type of team. That's just going to sit back and just play for a draw and get to the round of 16. So I mean, my hands up, like they've, they've impressed me through the first two matches, especially how they were able to, to play defensively against both Qatar and Senegal. So I'm on the South American side, plus one, plus 140. I project them at around plus 110. So yeah, I, I'm on Ecuador. I, I guess I'm, I'm conceding my, my Senegal love here. I mean, it was one match. <laughs> it was an impressive I mean, yeah, one they though. Played like really it was, well it was damn impressive. <laughs> they did. They played really well in they that match. They played well against Qatar the first half, you know, and then they managed they it well. So it's yeah, two matches. Did. And they got out of Conmebol, which is I mean, impossible. they are. I mean, I mean, if they're you really the best think about team. it. I think the even expected goal difference in Concacaf, actually, me Conmebol, makes me think that like, yeah, they're an average team in Conmebol who qualified and then had a really good match against the Dutch. We are in agreement that Cutter is, is pretty bad. Yeah. So they played they played a good match against a Dutch team, which the same Dutch team who didn't look very good against Senegal. I mean, expected goals in that match were pretty much dead even. They were under one. Maybe they got over it, at, you know, in the last kick of the game, the 118th minute uh, goal that lost me a bet. 
but I, I haven't really seen anything from Senegal where I'm just like, this isn't really working. I think the argument against Senegal is that they don't really have enough creativity around the penalty area. Like the midfield is kind of just a bunch of dudes who tackle people and then they don't really have, like they're missing Sadio Mane, which is like true, but Ecuador will be without Mendez here. Who's a big piece of the midfield uh, next to Caicedo. Caicedo also lucky. He didn't get a yellow card uh, because he really should have at the end of the last match, but he'll be in there. But I, I do think that this Ecuador team has taken a ton of market money. I mean, to look ahead line a week ago, Senegal would have been, you know, the, the solid, just slight favorite here to go. You know, they were the favorite to go through second. I think the markets moved too far. I like Senegal. Now I do have a Senegal to advance ticket with the Dutch. So I'm probably not going to actually put more money on it, but I think that the market's gotten out of control here on Ecuador. So I like Senegal quickly. Let's talk about Netherlands and Qatar. Uh, you both are on Qatar getting two goals minus minus one ten. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Anthony, you can go first. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I got to po- poke the Dutch with a stick or something because outside of Cody Gakpo, this team has been absolutely train wreck. I mean, Davi Klaassen, Steven Berghaus, even Frankie de Jong, like they're just not getting any ball progression, midfield production out of those guys. Like de Jong, I thought, like I agree with BJ, like I thought he was okay against Ecuador, but they weren't getting the ball into the penalty area at all. And like, yes, I don't, I, I think they need to move Gakpo back. And play no. Memphis, but Memphis they don't have another fit. striker. Memphis is hurt. Right. And that's like the they can't. So, so, you know, and, and Hansen's going to have to come on. Of course I, I have a Gakpo ticket, which I think we all do. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe they'll keep him up there. He'll score one or two more and then they'll just lose because they're not that good. But they've been, I think relative to my tournament expectations, they've been the worst team so far uh, because they were not very good against Ecuador and they were not very good against Senegal. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure where it gets better because they don't have ball winning in the midfield and they're not playing, uh, you know, the, the midfielders they are playing are not doing a ton. So uh, there's major question marks. They're still a very good defensive team, I think. Uh, but man, got some question marks about them. Uh, Cutter will show some pride here. I like them plus two. I might take some both teams to score as well. I do think they can get on the board, but uh, just major question marks about the Dutch attack. All right, BJ, you're joining him. Real quick. We also have a scenario here where if, if Ecuador wins and Netherlands wins both by the literally the exact same score, I think it's going to come down to uh, yellow cards like it did with Senegal in the last, which, which the Dutch would have, which the Dutch have one less yellow card than Ecuador. Uh, I thought, right I thought now. they don't have a, They only have like one yellow card the whole term. Ecuador has three and Netherlands has two. I looked it up just before the podcast. Yeah, no, I like Qatar here. Like they've been unlucky, honestly, defensively. Like they've conceded five goals off of 1.9 expected. Now it's just, it's honestly just bad goalkeeping. Like they've tried out two different keepers. It hasn't worked. They have over a minus two post shot XG plus minus. Um, but in terms of keeping teams out of their penalty area, they've actually been doing a, a kind of a good job. Like Ecuador only had 17 touches in the penalty area. Senegal only had 15. They, now Senegal ended up getting 10 shots in the penalty area, but again, they only created about 0.8 expected goals. So like they did a great job at limiting those chances. And I mean, I'm already on the conspiracy theory long enough now. Might as well just one more time, you know, and the FIFA is going to give them one last Hopefully one last big, big opportunity to give a good performance in front of their home fans. I don't think they're going to be, you know, they're obviously a very, you know, low block direct type team. I don't think they're just going to come out of that and just, you know, start playing open with, with the Dutch. I think they'll, they'll sit back, they'll play defensive and they'll, they'll try to take care of their opportunities. And then if they get something at the end, they'll go for it. But um, yeah, I'm on Qatar plus two. I think, yeah, this Netherlands offense has showed us nothing. And if they're going to have to start Gakpo and Berwine up top, I mean, those guys aren't strikers. So it's just, it's 
difficult to continue to create a bunch of chances when you have guys playing out of position. Gakpo is the man. The, he, is, he is the man, but like he is the man. Him and kudos. Him and kudos are the man. And we we should have bet kudos for Golden Ball because you know who was in on, on kudos in the summer? Frank Lampard. He said this guy. Oh, of course. He, he almost came to Everton. He he held out for a little bit at Ajax. He By the way, uh, BJ will be the biggest Cody Gakpo hater there is come January. When you're gonna have to keep these receipts because when he goes to United, BJ's gonna start slandering him every week and saying he's actually not that good. So we'll be uh, ready to go. All right, yes. Anthony. I mean, it's inflated stuff in the Eredivisie. So come on, it's not that good of a league. According according to Bearhalter, it's not that good of a league. Okay. I mean, Bearhalter should have been arrested on the field for telling them not to take that last free kick and just kick it to the corner. That was incredibly. He literally told the media that Reina was hurt and asked Reina to to go along. Yeah, he's a liar. He's a bad bad man. Uh, all right. Anyway, Group D. D is for Group D, and it's also for Dreadful, and it's also for Denmark. Disaster. Australia plus six hundred. Oh, uh, France. They're just Denmark minus two hundred. The draw is I'm plus three twenty. Uh, Tunisia. They're taking on France plus six fifty. France minus two hundred. The draw is plus three hundred. These are the ten a.m. kickoffs on on Wednesday. Australia versus Denmark is uh, much more interesting uh, from a you know two tournament big picture standpoint. You would say the soccer ruse. God bless them. They can qualify with a win against Denmark, and they also qualify with a draw and a Tunisia draw or loss. Um, The Danes are in the same situation as the Americans. They are a favorite. They're a bigger favorite than the United States. They need to win. They can't afford uh, anything other than a victory. And they are minus 200 to get it. And you guys love your Danes. And you told everybody on this podcast and, and all our live shows how much you love the Danes and you convinced me to love these Danes. And I got to tell you, there's nothing redeeming about this team anymore. They suck. I hate them. I hate them a lot. And I do I'm not still trust tr- them. I don't trust them at minus 200. I'm still trying to figure out how Cornelius didn't score that header against Because he's, he's on Denmark and Denmark doesn't score. <laughs> he was in the goal. Yeah. And he couldn't score. I mean, that was I haven't incredible. seen it. I think they, they probably are the, you said the most disappointing team relative to pre pre tournament expectations for you is, is the Netherlands. Uh, for me, I think it's Denmark. Uh, and I haven't seen a team kill its own attacks better than this team in the tournament. I don't think the price is big enough on Australia to have, have a punt here, but it, it would be the Socceroos or nothing for me out of spite. Anthony. I- yeah, I, I think, you know, we could talk Denmark briefly, uh, what went wrong. They played a really poor first half against Tunisia where they just couldn't string passes together and they weren't, you know, the, the wingers weren't creating anything and they weren't getting set pieces, so they weren't able to use their edge there. They played a really good second half against Tunisia and should have won the match. Sometimes you don't take any of your chances and you you draw nil-nil and you're saying, okay, they got pumped by France. That match was not that competitive. And even still, after their set-piece equalizer, Braithwaite had a sitter to put them up to one and basically win the group. And that's the reality of these international tournaments. I mean, the margins are so small. Did they deserve to win the group? No. Were we on the right side of that bet? No. But even still, Braithwaite's chance. And then, of course, Mbappe. Mbappe is the other end. But they were not competitive at all with France. And it was kind of bizarre because we're not even talking like, yes, last year's Euros were incredible. But even in the Nations League, Denmark looked awesome. They played France off the park in one of those two meetings, played even with them in the other one. They looked dead. And so I don't know what exactly went wrong. The attackers just didn't bring it. Uh, But yeah, I'm passing here. I hope Denmark goes through because I think that they, uh, if they play Argentina, I will be betting Denmark. But 
you know, the Danes are doing that same thing where until the last 20 minutes against France and the last half against Tunisia, they have done nothing going forward. And it's bizarre. It is bizarre. bizarre. And it's, it's incredibly poor, incredibly annoying. And also like Australia to their credit, like they've scored both games scored early. And I know one of them came against Tunisia, but they kind of deserved their, their one nil lead against France. If it was a 15 minute game, Anthony, Soccer was just 15 minutes long. Well, they only sure. scored because t- because Lucas Hernandez tore his ACL. Yeah, but still, like they they played well in like the first 20 ish minutes of that game, and then Mbappe just really flew. Um, I think I've been what, what I'm trying to say is I've been a little bit impressed with Australia. Uh, they're they're well organized. We knew that, and, uh, and their defense is really bad, though. That's the only thing. Like it's kind of un- it's movable object meets stoppable force. It's the Denmark yeah, yeah, against yeah against no, a I'm, really poor Australia like awful yeah. defense. I um I'm going down with the ship. If anybody's <laughs> listened to this podcast long enough, they know that I love going down with the ship and it never works. But I'm on Denmark. I mean, you can find a minus 190 out there right now. Um, I do project them at minus 270. Like Australia is a team. You saw it against France. They have to have the ball to be successful. That's how they were successful in actually getting here to the World Cup. They've also been incredibly fortunate defensively throughout qualifying. 12 goals off of 21.7 expected. Like they just have no, they're one of the least talented teams in this entire field. They conceded four goals to France off of four expected. Like it was one of, one of those matches where you're just like, yeah, they just got pumped by them. Now we have a situation where the Danes have to go for it. Australia, not that great at playing through pressure. We know the Danes are very, very good in terms of their pressing. They should be able to control the ball and I'm taking them on the money line because once the Danes go ahead and one, nothing, they just need to sit on it. Like I'm not going to try to bet them minus one because or even minus one and a half, because they don't need to get more than that. Cause they have to essentially have to assume that Tanisha is not going to beat France, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go down with the ship. I actually do project some value on it and whatever. Yep. Whatever. Indeed. Uh, none of us have anything on Tunisia and France. Kind of a weird and one. By, actually, down. I might just bet France over five and a half goals. So just whatever. <laughs> uh, it is notable. France, we talk about teams who have underperformed expectations the most. France has overperformed. No, they're the Hernandez, best team in the world. Hernandez yeah, they're the, gets they're hurt, the best team in the world. Teo outside of I mean, it's going to be them and uh, and Teo and Mbappe are just sick. Yeah, and that's like a problem for a lot of teams. Yeah, and Gre- oh, Griezmann is yeah. turned into Andrea Pirlo. This is something else. Yeah, uh, uh, somehow we can't do that for Atletico and get us through in the Champions League. Ch- Chuameni looks like just young Conte. Yeah, these, like they, 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 they kind of yeah, Bitar. They well more than a bit. They they kind of are on the good side of the draw now. Like when they play England in the quarterfinals, I, I envision a world where BJ and I are on opposite sides, and it's going to be really funny watching Kieran Trippier try to guard and defend. It's going to be Mbappe. the Wonder Goal Waterloo. <laughs> Hopefully, it goes as well as Wonder Dog Wednesday last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, the two PM games on Wednesday are the Group C matchups. Poland is six fraudulent. And they're six to one on the money line against uh, Argentina and Poland sit atop the group right now. Uh, Both these teams are fraudulent. They're six to well, one. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, every, like we, we, we keep saying it. Every team in this tournament is fraudulent except for France and Ecuador and maybe Saudi Canada Arabia is and not. Saudi Arabia too. Poland six to one Argentina minus 200. The draw is plus three twenty. Of course, these are all odds provided to us by our wonderful friends at bet three, six, five. The situation here is Poland. They win the group and qualify with a win over Argentina they can also get through with a draw, but they would only win the group in that case if, if Saudi Arabia draws or loses to Mexico. Argentina can qualify with a win or a draw if 
Saudi Arabia draws or loses by fewer than three goals to Mexico. They can also win the group with a victory and a Saudi Arabia draw or loss. In other words, everyone in, in this group is alive. Mexico is the biggest long shot to get out. They need to win and make up the goal differential between them and either Argentina or Poland, who are right now, Argentina's three goals better and Poland's four goals better. So a lot to unpack with like the two advanced scenarios, so much so that you know, it's it's basically you can just look at these matches in a vacuum. Everybody's going to be wanting to win it. Nobody's going to be like managing situations and stuff like that. BJ, I'm kind of with you on this here. We'll start with Poland and Argentina. I do think this number is a little short. I think that Poland is maybe worth a sprinkle on the money line. Argentina has failed to impress. They failed to generate enough scoring chances to suggest that they're worth trusting at minus 200. But... Poland are dreadful too. Like it's so it's hard to imagine them getting enough. It's crazy that Poland, the Poland is the same price as our Australia is against Denmark, which I think is funny. And, and basically the same price as Tunisia versus France in this matchup. And I don't think that that's the case. I think Poland is, is better than both Australia and Tunisia in, in relative to their matchup. So I like Poland. You like Poland. We don't like Argentina. I think that this market is like this because everyone's expecting, oh, this is a pre-tournament favorite. All they need to do is get a result to get through. Messi can't go home in the group stage, yada, yada, yada. Can Poland steal it or at least keep it respectable? Absolutely. I'll, I'll be quite frank. Argentina sucked against Mexico. Like they <laughs> were terrible. And yes, they scored two goals from outside the box. Everybody hails Messi as a God. And then, you know, everybody thinks Argentina is going to get through it. They sucked. They had only had 0.28 expected goals and expected threat of 0.83. They had two shots in the penalty area and four deep completions. That's bad. And especially going against a Poland team that is going to sit in a low block and is very well drilled in doing so. And there's something very tactically wrong with Argentina right now. You know what they're doing? They're playing a lot like Juventus is, where they're basically playing a hexagon with nobody in the middle of the pitch. So they can't get the ball to Messi. They're forced to swing it out wide to their two terrible fullbacks and just try to swing in cross after cross after cross. I mean, they're in a 4-0-6 when they're in possession. So they're either forced to play it out wide or just play long balls or really risky passes through the middle. Messi had 10 passes received between the lines against Mexico. That has to be his lowest in Argentina shirt for his entire career. They have just, they just have not impressed. I mean, yes, variants got, they got the bad end of variants against Saudi Arabia, but even after they went down two goals against Saudi Arabia, they created one big chance. And then it was a ton of shots from just outside the box. And that's all they really do. And yes, Messi is amazing and he can score from outside the box. But if you're constantly doing that over and over and over again, like variants is going to catch you in the, on the wrong way. And that's what happened against Saudi Arabia. So for a Poland team that is well-drilled to play in a low block, they do have capable center backs. They have a good goalkeeper in Chesney. So I'm on Poland plus one. Like I don't see it with Argentina right now. Like they're, they're very, 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 something very, very wrong with them tactically is because they just will not put a midfielder in the middle of the pitch to come receive a pass. So Messi's got to come out even farther, even farther to receive the ball. So for a team that's going to sit in a low block like Poland, they're just going to have to, you're going to have to hope that Argentina makes a couple shots from outside the box to cover this minus one. Yeah. Bad day to be Rodrigo DePaul. Like I was getting a He's lot done. of stick. It's, it's Enzo now. But what happened to Paredes? Like that they, was the he point. gets pushed like, up the field. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like they're midfielders. Excellent get passer pushed. though, and they can't get the ball to Messi. I agree 100 with BJ about Argentina. Like you played a weird match with Saudi Arabia where they came out with a, like a weird strategy. They played super high, condensed the middle of the field, got you offside a couple of times, and then you just concede a couple of dumb goals. But like you said, they ended up with you know a little over two expected goals. That includes a penalty. So you're at like 1.3 non-penalty. And then you take out like a lot of just was just set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. 
because Saudi Arabia sat super deep in the second half. I didn't think they were good at all. And then I was like, oh, but they'll bounce back. Mexico, poor team, no attack whatsoever. They'll rip them apart. I actually bet Argentina in that match. Got super lucky. Like you said, they had no chance. They didn't have a single chance the whole game. Good chance. So I think there's major problems with Argentina going forward. But I also don't like Poland. I mean, Poland has rode the back of Chesney to this point. I mean, he made a couple of spectacular saves against Mexico where they were the weaker side in that match. And then he saved a pen and the rebound in the match against Saudi Arabia and then made multiple other big saves where they should have conceded goals there too. So I have question marks about this Poland defense when they do nothing out of possession. At least Mexico was contesting the passes into Messi. I don't know if Poland can even stop that. So I, I, I'm, I'm passing here. I have major problems with, with both these teams right now. If Argentina somehow gets second and they play France. Oh, hmm, boy. <laughs> are we going to get France at a dog price? I don't think we are anymore. We might, but, you know, no. or, if, or we might get um, we might get Argentina and Denmark, baby. And then, we, then, we, then the Danes will find Well, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, they think the Danes are I said I'm going to be through. back on the Danes when they play Argentina because they're not getting through. The, the Socceroos are the third best team in the world. I'll bet Australia against Argentina. Po, uh, yeah, so like I said, like the, every, everybody's got to look at this, these matches in a vacuum. Saudi Arabia, I mean, I guess relative to expectations, has there been a more impressive team than Saudi Arabia? I already gave that award to France. Yeah, I know. But like, what were your expectations for Saudi Arabia? They were a thousand to one to win the World Cup and they might do it. I have them in my in our, our Calcutta. So Gosh, uh, guys, no, it's Costa Rica. We'll get to them in a yeah. second. Uh, Saudi Arabia is plus 375. We'll get to them. Odds on minus 150. The draw is plus 320. Uh, Hervé Renard is minus 130. He's the odds on, fav- odds on favorite to win most handsome p- coach in the tournament, yeah. just ahead of Alio Cisse. One, of, one AFCON of twice, by the way, with yeah. uh, Zambia and Ivory Coast. I think Saudi Arabia are 100% worth a bet. Yeah. Three, three, I agree. 375. Yeah. Uh, what, what is, Mexico has not scored yet. Mexico has not scored nothing. yet. And have they have looked at like not even close. And they're one memo Ochoa penalty save away from being completely kaput, right? And, and this price would look very different. It's going to be, first of all, I want to say one thing about the atmosphere for this match. Saudi Arabia's fans have been unbelievable. Mexico's fans, of course, are always unbelievable at the World Cup. Anthony, I, I know this is your first one, but the, the Mexican fans have this reputation of just traveling in droves, no matter where the World Cup is, showing up and, and turning it into a party. Have they done that with or without cervezas? And so this, this it's going to be a beautiful sounding cacophony type of match. But I think the Saudi Arabian fans will be the ones singing at the end and this price doesn't reflect it plus 375 i think is a good good price on a team that they're approaching every game differently they're like they looked really good against poland like they should have scored chesney like you said like he he stops a a penalty and and it was really good throughout that entire first like 35 minutes where poland was weathering the storm against saudi arabia i could see a similar kind of scenario playing playing out here as uh, mexico doesn't scare me i'm not laying minus 150 with mexico i would love to meet the people that are seriously bj yeah doing? well i agree but i'm gonna be playing saudi arabia 18 to 1 to win this group because if you truly believe that they can win this match and you believe that argentina has major problems and can't is not gonna be able to get by poland like there is a, a real scenario where saudi arabia wins this group and they'll be playing the second place in group d which might be Australia <laughs> in, the of, in the round of 16. Like, that's a, that's a very real possibility right now. And I don't think people are, I don't think the market's really looking at that because I mean, think about it. And I mean, even Argentina, if they play Denmark, right? Exactly. Like if you truly, I mean, you know, Saudi Arabia is 
what plus three seventy five on the money line here. Yeah, Mexico's done nothing. Like if Saudi Arabia is going to play a high line besides Lozano, like who is getting in behind this this high line? Is going to be Raul Jimenez. He looks not very not very old Vegas and not too. effective whatsoever. I mean, Argentina was dreadful, but Mexico was dreadful offensively against Argentina. Like they only created like point point two six expected goals. Their expected threat was terrible. So yeah, I mean Saudi Arabia. I mean they're the thing about them is they're a team that I said it like Qatar <laughs> is very well drilled at playing together. Like they're all and are very cohesive. They know what they need to do. Her Bernard outstanding manager. He'll play the high line and he'll put pressure on, on this Mexican team. And they just, they have not looked good so far. And it was kind of a, a carryover what we kind of were, were talking about coming into the tournament where they were very underwhelming throughout CONCACAF qualifying. Like they were very poor against the United States. So this is another scenario where, I'm, I'm going to be betting the chaos. So I'll be on Saudi Arabia, 18 to one to win this group. Anthony, and let's go back to CONCACAF now. Yeah. Let's go, go back, back to CONCACAF because back. let's think about some of these teams and how they've done at the world cup. Costa Rica concedes seven to Spain, Mexico, Be- beat Japan. Mexico struggled against them. Yeah. I know they beat Japan, but that was a Mickey mouse. Mexico, <laughs> Mexico struggles against them. Mexico couldn't beat the United States in qualifying. Mexico couldn't beat Canada in qualifying who just got ripped apart by Croatia and got ripped apart in friendlies before that defensively. Like there were clearly defensive issues with Canada that, you know, we maybe glossed over because we love our, our friends in the North, but like Mexico hasn't been a good attack for a long time and they are in deep trouble going forward. And if you can't get margin as a favorite, I'm happy to take the underdog and Saudi Arabia has given me reason to believe. So I'm going to take them plus a half with a little money line sprinkle. And now that BJ mentioned it, I might even have to, you know, toss in on I mean, that. That's a crazy price for giving the, the scenarios we have, we have here. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they win and Argentina wins, it comes down to goal difference. They would Argentina's be at, a little behind. Uh, yeah. Argentina's at plus one right now. And Saudi, and Saudi is minus, minus one. one. That so they need Argentina to draw. Lewandowski. Yeah. Essentially, but again, it's 18 to one. Like it's, it's a fantastic price given all we need is a Saudi Arabia win against this poor Mexico team and a Poland defensive masterclass. Okay. We'll move on to Thursday. We'll start with group F cause they're the 10 AM kickoffs. And as Anthony alluded to our friends to the North Canada, they got absolutely ripped apart by That's Croatia. Right. So they are out of the tournament. They are plus two sixty against Morocco who are plus 105 in, in their match, and the draw is plus 240. Morocco advances with a win or draw. They can also advance with a loss as long as Belgium loses, and then they can also advance with a loss and a Belgium win as long as their goal differential is better than Croatia, which right now they are one goal behind Croatia. They can also win the group by bettering Croatia's result and making up the goal difference. So Morocco, baby, we are on, on to something here. The price is just way too short, though, I think, against Canada. I know that people are going to say Canada's got nothing to play for, but they do. They've never won at the World Cup. They've got fans over there. They're going to want to get a win on the board. I don't think I th- there are some teams, like if this was Germany, sure, like maybe Germany just lays an egg against in their last match, but this isn't Germany. This is Canada, a team that this this would ma- mean something, I think. So I would be closer to, to Canada at this, this price than, than Morocco, but ultimately, it's a pass for me. Anthony, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I think that the matchup's not terrible for Canada. I think that Morocco doesn't have the midfield quality necessarily or the transitional skill to to really cook Canada up the middle where they're, you know, showing to be at their weakest, whether it's the center backs or or the defensive midfield. Atiba Hutchinson looking a bit washed out there. 
but you know, I'm not playing them. I, I'm just going to ride the Morocco ticket that we have. They still have a chance to win this group. If they win and the other match ends in a draw, which would be a very favorable and tournament saving situation for some. So that's what I'm riding out here from a stylistic point of view. I think Morocco has been extremely impressive. I mean, they took apart Croatia's attack and held them under 0.6 expected goals and then took apart the Belgium attack and held them under one expected goal. Not that that's saying much anymore because of what Belgium is, but like this Morocco defense is legitimate. They're extremely organized out of the midfield. Sofian Amrabat, probably my player of the tournament thus far. He's been everywhere. Outplayed Luka Modric in match week one. Outplayed Kevin De Bruyne match week two. Not many people can say that. So I think Amrabat's been incredibly impressive. Uh, Hakemi, ball progression machine as always. Ziyech whipping in some awesome free kicks. They, they really should have had that other, that first goal too. But yeah, Morocco has been solid. Don't love them as a, as a big favorite here though. I think it's a little bit inflated. They were the only team we were right about. <laughs> there's, there's one more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess. I mean, if you have a Morocco to advance ticket at two to one, you can hedge with Canada money line because there's no scenario where correct me if I'm wrong, but there is absolutely no scenario where Morocco draws and doesn't go through. So mm-hmm. if you truly want to hedge it, you can take Canada money line and that way you have nice little house money. But yeah, other than maybe a hedge, I'm just passing on this one. The price is way too short. The other match is a fun one between Croatia and the best team Belgium. Croatia's and Belgium. Croatia's a slight, slight, slight underdog. This game is basically a pick 'em. They're plus 170, Belgium plus 160, the draw plus 240, a bet 365. Croatia gets through with a win or a draw and a Morocco loss. They can also win the group by just bettering Morocco's result. Belgium, they need a win. They need a win, or technically, they can get through with a draw and a loss by Morocco as long as Morocco loses by more than three goals, which is not going to happen. I think Croatia. Is worth a bet oh here. Gosh, they're gonna even as a pick them. Let's just look at it from kind of like the transitive property. Belgium really struggled against Canada. They couldn't figure out how to move the ball through the lines, through the midfield, and then Croatia just made it look like a walk in the park. They they just ripped Canada to shreds. And then Belgium really struggled against Morocco. And I mean, I know Croatia didn't really get much going and Morocco was a better team in that match, but Morocco just dominated, I thought, Belgium compared to like what you'd expect. And I think that there is a path, of course, to success for a team like Belgium. There always is. They've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They've got one of the best players in the world in De Bruyne. And then, of course, Lukaku, maybe if he turns back the clock a little bit, like, sure, like you you can give a Croatian, you know, suspect Croatian defense in terms of personnel issues. But I think that getting... Croatia as a pick'em here is it's absolutely worth it, BJ. Can I read you a couple of quotes, Michael? That's have came out of Belgian camp the last sure. few days. Sure. So sure. after they um, after they beat Canada, Kevin De Bruyne said, "We're not winning the World Cup. We're too old. Our best chances in 2018, which is what we said coming into the World Cup." So he's right. Then they lose to Morocco, and then Jan Vertonghen, Tottenham legend, said, "Yeah, we probably attack badly too because we are too old, right?" So I don't think Belgium's playing really inspired ball to come back and get out of this group and, and win the tournament. Plus, I mean, they've looked so dreadful in attack. I mean, Eden Hazard, if they try to start him again, like over the best player in the world, Leandro Trossard, like it's a crime because he has done absolutely nothing. De Bruyne looks terrible when he doesn't have good players around him. Lukaku might be back for this one, but how effective is he going to be? He's been out for two months with an injury and even com- before that injury, he was in terrible form as it is. And you said it, Michael. I mean, after Croatia 
uh, conceded the, the opening goal to Canada. They just pounded them in the midfield. They controlled possession. They controlled the midfield. They were able to go through the lines. They were able to go out wide. Like they just looked incredible. And how, I mean, it gives me, I have no reason to believe that they are not going to do the, they're going to do the exact same thing to Belgium in this match because Belgium has got exposed at every single position, maybe except for goalkeeper. They just, they look terrible. Like they're at a minus 2.2 expected goal differential right now. So I'm on Croatia, even though I don't project much value on it. I think we get one of these teams every single tournament that just, they just quit. Like they, for whatever reason, the team just doesn't gel. It happened to France, you know, in 2010, it's escaping me who happened to the last world cup, but Germany, Germany, that's what it was. Yep. It just happens to one of these teams and Belgium is the team this year. (laughs) Sounds like they all hate each other. Roberto Martinez is uh, not the guy to uh, mend fences and get everybody to play inspired ball. So I will be on Croatia as well. Pick them at uh, plus 100. All right, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, let's make it three for three. I mean, look, we saw a team with younger, more athletic players just try to come out and pressure and, and play with Croatia where they went at them and they had some aging midfielders and some underperforming center backs and they got absolutely wrecked in transition. And that game was Canada, Croatia. Belgium is worse than Canada. They are worse than Croatia. They are worse than Morocco. How many teams in this field are worse than Belgium? Six? I did a quick count. I got to six. So not Costa Rica. Um, Costa Rica's worse. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Not not Er Uruguay's worse. No, Cameroon's Um, number three in my power rankings. No, the the, the teams that I had that were definitely worse than Belgium were Qatar, Wales, Mexico, Tunisia, Australia, and Costa Rica. Those are the only teams that I would confidently say were worse than Belgium. Yeah. And that that's where we're at now. I mean, look, they're just not that good. And Martinez refuses to play Trossard. Eden Hazard. I mean, there were a lot of times in the Morocco match where they got the ball to Eden Hazard with one guy in front of him. And every it's single just, time it's sad. It's that sad. guy dispossessed him or he was forced to play back. There is no explosiveness left. And De Bruyne has been bad. And I think his mindset's all off. I mean, I think he realizes it. He, he was, he, he plays soccer for a really good team. And he knows what good soccer is and he knows what shit soccer is. And he's watched this Belgium team completely implode. So I wonder if Martinez will give some of the younger guys a run. Like I'd love to see Trossard, Doku, like give me something different, feel inspired. But if they roll the same 11 out, it's Croatia hammer time. We may only get one more chance. We are going to only get one more chance probably to fade these clowns. They've conceded 3.9 expected goals. The only teams that have conceded more are Australia, Saudi Arabia. It was a penalty in there. Costa Rica, Saudi Arabia, that's it. That's that's really bad. So it's just a fraudulent team, and they're going to get exposed. I like Croatia. Hopefully, part of me says we'll, we'll take the draw, and then Morocco will win the group. I actually think like chasing an alt line too is. I could see like yeah. Croatia getting out to like a two 0 lead, and Belgium just. Right, yeah, I'll be, I was saying I was I will be betting Croatia minus one and a half or minus two and a half. Yep. Like I've been doing a lot this tournament to varied success. Speaking of varied success, Costa Rica has had varied success so far in this tournament. They lost seven, nothing to Spain. You guys must be new to this. They beat Japan one nil. Uh, these are the 2 PM games on uh, Thursday. That's December 1st. Costa Rica's the odds makers are projecting a squeaker here. They're 22 to one against Germany who are minus a thousand. The draw here is nine. To they're, one. they're 80 to one to win the group, by the way, everybody. Yep. 80 to one to win the group. Uh, Japan and Spain are in the other matchup. Japan seven plus seven fifty. Spain minus two fifty. The draw is plus three fifty. The situation here is fun. Every one of these teams can advance. 
So it's interesting. Let's, I don't think really, I know you guys are on Costa Rica to not score, but let's, let's quickly run through that one. BJ, we'll start with you. We know you have no love loss for, for this team. I mean, if you're new to betting soccer and specifically Costa Rica, what happened against Japan is just par for the course of what they do. They just sit back. They do absolutely nothing for the first hour to maybe 70, 75 minutes. They get one chance, they convert it and they win. That's what they did all throughout CONCACAF qualifying. That's the only reason they're here. I mean, so far this tournament, they have 0.11 expected goals. That was all against Japan. They've taken four shots, none of which have come in the penalty area, and they've had five touches in the opponent's penalty area. They stink. Now, the game theory here is the only realistic chance that Costa Rica has at getting out of this group, getting the round of 16, is park the bus pray to God that they don't concede against Germany and somehow get a draw. And then Spain beats Japan, Germany. I mean, they're obviously a very possession dominant side. You could say, Oh, well, you know, their, their defense can be open at times. Like that's kind of concerning for me, but you know, after the euros, after Hansi flick took over, they played a bunch of smaller nations throughout world cup qualifying. They played North Macedonia, Lechtenstein, Iceland, Romania, and Armenia. And so those seven matches, they only conceded about four expected. So um, you can find a Costa Rica not to score at minus 120 right now, which I think is just an insane price. I don't see a scenario where they're going to try to play an open match with Germany. Like they're going to park the bus and they're going to hope to God they don't concede. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see a scenario where Costa Rica even sniffs the, the German nets. So I'm on them not to score for a lot of money. And then uh, <laughs> if I, if I don't, uh, if they score, um, I'll be bankrupt responsibly. <laughs> responsibly oh, bankrupt. Man. I got mm-hmm. up early for the first half and I missed the lineup. So the game had already started. It was the 5 a.m. Japan, Costa Rica match. And I'm watching the game and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, who are these guys? Like, where are the good players? And my, I mean, I, I, so I pulled up the app and I said, wait a minute. We're not starting Kubo. We're not starting Minamino. We're not starting Asano. We're not starting Ito. Even if they I mean, started, it didn't matter. It didn't does matter. Does Moriasu think this was a started, friendly? It didn't matter. This was going to happen either way. This is what happens. Did, this is what Costa Rica think does. It was a friendly. That, that, that was one of the most obscene managerial things I've ever seen in watching soccer. And I, yes, this is my first World Cup. So you have to keep that in mind as you guys keep saying, even though it's my fourth. But I mean, it is ridiculous that they just gave away a half where they took one shot. There were 0.05 total expected goals in the first half of the match. Nobody came close to scoring. They just said, yeah, we'll just shorten the game to 45 minutes. And great. Japan played a good second half. They created a bunch of chances. They probably should have scored one. But when you shorten the game, you're just doing the underdog a favor. And that's exactly what they did. And our Japan tickets would have cashed if they had just won that freaking match. And now we have to sweat. The German frauds would be done. I mean, it was incredibly frustrating. Swung the whole tournament. And really, I have not been the same as a man <laughs> or as a soccer fan since. And that was that was obscene. And uh, I'm going to put more money on Japan again. And, and you, know what, you know what? Both you know teams what? to score against Spain because I think it's a good, again, it's a good matchup. Like yeah. they can do the same things to Germany and Spain. They did to Germany and, and Spain has I mean, shown they, some cracks I mean, if defensively. They, if, they, if they play open against Spain, like it is, oh, it's nightmare yeah. city, man. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to, I think that they, like, like we saw what happened with Spain against Germany too. Like they tried to tick attack of their way from the goal, from goal line to goal line. And one mistake and Germany swarmed them. Right. Like, yeah. Japan could do the same thing. 
I think Japan. Although, let's, although let's, if Spain starts Alvaro Morata, that could be the missing link. Maybe we should call yeah. Luis Enrique and tell him, "Hey, man, start your best you player. Guy, you got this yeah. striker who's really good. Come on, start man. the best player in the world." Japan's plus seven fifty. Spain minus two fifty. The draw is plus three fifty. Anthony, you talked about both teams to score. I like Japan on the money line. Of course, the the Japan saga this this World Cup, man. Nail him six six fifty plus six fifty against Germany. Pat myself on the back. No to be responsible and not bet them against as a favorite against Costa Rica, but fully expecting, you know, my my Japan futures to make the semifinal 34 nope. to one, all nope. that stuff. No, nope. no. Nope. To be in great shape because they're the best team in the world. And then they lose Tournament to Costa over. Rica. They were lining up to get a great round of 16 draw yeah, and exactly. a potentially really good quarterfinal draw too. Yeah. They had gotten Every, second in the group. They everything was looking great. Portugal in the quarters. It was a joke. They got past Croatia or Morocco. If they got past Costa Rica. That's yeah, what Costa Rica do does. You guys Costa don't Rica. understand. You um, guys just don't understand. Oh, it's it's we learned the hard way. PJ. Yeah, I and mean, you learn. Uh, but this is what happened to me. This is why I got so mad because Costa Rica did this to me time and time and time and time again throughout CONCACAF sorry, qualifying. We, we hit those Spain bets and we had a lot of money on those. Oh my gosh. Uh, I like. I'm, I'm just gonna say I like Japan on the money line. I think, like Anthony said, like they can have. There is a path. There's like a viable path to success here. They're plus 750 I'm, I'm against Japan. They were six to one against Germany. Is Spain that much better than Germany? I don't think so. I'm done. They're better, but they're not that much better. I'm on Japan. I don't know. Bj, do you have anything here before we move on? No. Let's just move on. Let's I just do it. Was just, it was just sad. Was All just right. Let's talk about happens. the the final day of the group stage. That's Friday, December the second. We'll start with Group H because that's the 10 a.m. kickoffs. Ghana, they're plus 375 against Uruguay, uh, minus 143. The draw here is plus 280. Uh, for those of you like Anthony, who this is your first World Cup, Ghana and Uruguay actually have a, a ridiculous rivalry stemming from the 2010 World Cup when Luis Suarez did the reverse hand of God, saved a ball off the line with his hand. It would have been a goal. And then I think it was Asamoah Gion missed yep. the penalty. And VAR, VAR didn't exist at that point. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and Uruguay got through. You could say it was heroic. You could say it was villainous, but he did what he did. So uh, Ghanaians don't forget like uh, that. They've been licking their chops once they saw they got drawn into La Celeste's group here. And it's a, it's a fun situation when you consider the rivalry because all these years later, Ghana can return the favor and kick Uruguay out of the tournament. Uruguay needs a win and a South Korea loss or draw. South Korea, we've taken on Portugal for Uruguay, the team that we all thought, and we were right. Good dark horse bet of 50 to one to win the whole tournament. They're still going to do it. They're going to draw Brazil. Ghana just needs a win or a draw. Uh, but if they draw, they need to have a better goal differential than South Korea if South Korea wins. So Ghana's in a good spot here. Anthony. BJ's going down with the, the Danish ship. I'm going down with the Japanese ship. And you're going down with the sky blue ship. I mean, look, we, we, we recording this right after the match. I'm still tilting. So I have not placed a wager yet, but I will be on Uruguay. I mean, this team underperformed their underlying numbers going forward in South, South America qualifying by 10 goals. It got so bad at one point, they fired the old manager, brought in a new manager. They got the new manager bounce where they played the same and then the results got better because of variance. And they were the better team today against Portugal. I mean, look, people were, you know, my friends who don't really watch that much soccer were like, man, Portugal has a lot of the ball. Like Uruguay is kind of getting cooked. And I'm like, look, that's the Uruguay way. They had 30% of the ball. Portugal took nine terrible shots in the first half. 
Uruguay had the best two chances. Benton Kerr weaves his way through the entire defense, misses the chance. Darwin had a good chance, missed. And then Portugal scores off of a cross that was going to be headed, but whiffed. And I mean, that saved all of our assist bets, by the way. What what the hell was that? And then Uruguay says, all right, now we got to come out and play. Let's play. They hit the post. They miss a chance with Suarez. They miss a chance through Gomez. They miss a chance through forgetting who it was, but the, the, when he should have crossed it to the teammate, but he shot at the goalie. It was hilarious. I mean, they created over one and a half expected goals. Did not score. Portugal was under one, scored twice. They got a penalty that I didn't think was a penalty, but at that point, well, I mean, really by, the rule, by the rule book, the rule by book, the rule book it is not a penalty, a penalty, but the ref, the ref said, <laughs> what can we do? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that correlates to both of my bets here. Look, I bet Korea against Ghana. I thought God, Korea was better than Ghana. They outshot them, what, 22 to seven, created way more chances, a ton of crossing, a ton of successful crossing. Goalie made some nice plays, got a lot of last ditch block defending credit to Ghanaians for that. And they have a fun attacking group for sure. But man, Korea and Uruguay just broke my soul today and I'm ready to have them break my soul once more. So I'm going to be on Korea plus one against Portugal, who's already qualified, still mm-hmm. remains fraudulent and yep. kind of stinks. Yep. I mean, go back to the Ghana match against Portugal too. If Inaki Williams doesn't slip, it's, it's yep. a tie match. So, and also the Mickey Mouse penalty to Ronaldo, of course. Uh, so yeah, I like Korea plus one and I like Uruguay. I think, well, I guess if Korea draws and then Uruguay wins, Uruguay goes through. Yep, that's yes. it. Your, Uruguay's got to win. Essentially, they need, just, they need, they need, they to, need win. to win, and South Korea can't win. Here, it yeah. is. so, so they win as long as 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 if Uruguay wins and South Korea doesn't win, La Celeste get through. Our tickets stay alive to face Brazil in the in the round, which which I'm not that afraid of anymore. I think Brazil is I'm kidding, but uh, yeah, I mean the whole point of the of the ticket was to get to the other side of the bracket by yeah. winning today's match against Portugal, yeah. which we should have done and we didn't, and now the whole bet's dead, but. Uh, such as life. There will be yeah. other bets. There will be other bets. I'm with Anthony on both bets. And I want a, a little trivia question for you guys. How many crosses did South Korea have against Ghana today? And how many of those were successfully completed into the box? 16 and three. I'll go with four and 32. They had 35 crosses and they completed 15 of them into the box. That is the oh. most at a world cup ever. <laughs> so for an Uruguay team that, primarily does like to get the ball down the channels and swing in crosses to uh, whatever combination it's going to be with Nunez, Cavani or Suarez. Like that is kind of concerning. Like they scored, that's how South Korea scored their two goals. I mean, listen, Ghana, like, yeah, they created a bunch of chances. Like they did it against Portugal as well. Like they scored on all three shots on target today. I'm not going to sit in here and say that was a lucky win for them because, you know, expected goals was even, and they took advantage of their chances that they had, which were big chances, but they're going to be in a scenario now where they just need a draw essentially. And they are through barring obviously a South Korea win over Portugal. So I expect them to sit very defensive and try to defend all these crosses yet again. And they did that against Portugal, right? They sat very defensive. Like they, they're playing very conservative to start out and they just created nothing going forward and Portugal completely dominated them. And then after the Ronaldo penalty is when Ghana was like, Oh crap, like we got to kick things into high gear. And they did create a few chances, but they also were incredibly open and allowed Portugal to score two goals and created a bunch of chances themselves. So I'm a guy. I agree with you. I'm on Uruguay minus minus one thirty. I think it's a very, very cheap price for a team that 
has underperformed so far in this tournament. Like they weren't very good against South Korea, but they were obviously much better against Portugal today. And listen, they got to go for it now. So I think we'll see their attacking players play much more inspired ball, uh, much more, much better pressing against a Ghanaian team that does have talent, but yeah. Um, and then yeah, Portugal, I mean, it's, it's simple game theory. Portugal just needs a draw and they win the group. So I'm obviously going to be on South Korea plus one at minus minus one thirty-five Cause they've looked good in both matches. Like they weren't good in the first half against Ghana, but they rebounded very nicely and they created a couple big chances. And I thought they, man, I thought they were going to pull off a historic comeback and then Ghana just sunk me. Yeah. I think I'm probably just going to cry. Um, while watch Uruguay lose, uh, to Ghana, but yeah, I'm with you. I think South Korea is the right side against Portugal considering the situation. Um, and if I'm going to bet Uruguay, I'm going to bet them on an alt line, uh, the 2 PM games on Friday, Cameroon, I think, have been the most entertaining team to watch of the tournament. They're nine, nine to one against Brazil minus 400. The draw here is five to one. The other matches, Serbia and Switzerland, Serbia is a slight favorite plus 145, Switzerland plus 187, the draw plus 240. Of course, those and all odds on the show are brought to you by our good friends at Bet365. Here's how this group sets up. Brazil is through already. They win the group with a, a winner or draw or Switzerland loss. Switzerland, they are in a situation where if they avoid a defeat, they are through. They just need a winner or draw against Serbia. Cameroon needs a win against Brazil and a Switzerland loss. Uh, they can also get through with a win against Brazil by at least two goals and then a draw with Switzerland and Serbia. And then Serbia needs a win against Switzerland and then Cameroon loss to get through. So, um, those three teams are all in the running. Cameron's the biggest long shot of them all. But I actually think that they're worth a bet here. I think that game is going to be bananas. We've already seen that Cameroon is electric going forward, and they are not competent defending. Brazil are Brazil. So like this game could be just like what we saw against Serbia, 3-3, and maybe like 5-3. And I don't know. I'm just going to bet the into the narrative that Brazil's going not to take it, not going to take it all that seriously. Like Neymar's already hurt. I know they have depth and, and, and they're a team that, you know, likes to bring the carnival to every match and they're not going to, they might not, you know, step off the gas pedal, but this Cameroon team can score. I think that I'll, I'll back at this number here, considering the situation, the other match I'm going to be likely on Switzerland, uh, but we'll see where that market goes. BJ, what are your thoughts here on those final two group stage matches? Yeah. So what I like Cameroon. Yeah. They, they that was a crazy match uh, this morning. Um, but we, like you said, what really worries me is that they just have nothing outside of their attackers. Like their midfield in defense is absolutely dreadful. And like we saw against Switzerland, like when they're not able to control possession for a majority of the match, like a team that like Brazil, who's going to stranglehold that type of possession and be able to play right through them. That is that is really concerning to me. But again, the game theory says that Brazil just, they just need a draw and they've won this group. So um, I will be passing on that one. And then I like, I do like Switzerland in the other match, John Obeta plus 110. I think this is just one of those typical we see, whether it be tournaments or when we get towards the end of a Premier League season when teams, you know, need not to be relegated or whatever it is, where you just see an inflated line on a team that needs to win and one that necessarily doesn't need to. So I'll be on Switzerland plus 110. I mean, Serbia. They've been probably one of the worst defenses in this, in this world cup field so far, like they've conceded 4.7 expected goals through their first two matches. Like defense was a big issue coming into the tournament and it's 
it's shown through those two matches. So if Switzerland, who is very well drilled tactically can is perfectly fine playing out of possession and countering, um, that really worries me if I want to back Serbia here. And if you want to back Serbia, just back them to advance. Like that's probably the best price here to play them. But yeah, I will be on the Swiss draw no bet at plus one ten. But I'm gonna pass on the other match. I'm not gonna get uh Brazil. Uh, Anthony, are you willing to try to get Brazil here? Are you? I mean, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Why yeah, not? Yeah, what, yeah. What what better way to end the group stage, BJ, than getting and Brazil? Then a Vinicius Junior hat trick. Yeah, and it will be this. That's time fine. Vinicius hat trick. Three two Brazil. <laughs> cash my both teams to score. Cash plus two because I'm betting both. I've been impressed by the Cameroonian side. Uh, they've created three expected goals, which is more than Switzerland in this group, which is more than Serbia in this group which is more than the majority of this field has created so far, uh, which is pretty notable. And I think that they will go for it. They have nothing to lose whatsoever. They have to go out and try to beat the best team in the world. There will probably be loss. They will probably, they will probably after, after who? Morocco? England. Oh, right. Uh, After Morocco, the second best team in the world. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think Cameroon is absolutely live here. You mentioned the runners. Like Brazil faced two teams who are very slow, pragmatic, build-up teams who are not going to threaten you with runners in the channels or pacing behind. Serbia is a cross team. Switzerland's a slow build-up eventually to a cross or Embolo carries into the area team. Cameroon's a different kind of challenge, and I think it's it's a challenge that can get at this team. So I'm going to take the both teams to score and the plus two on the Cameroon. If it gets to plus one and a half, I'd probably – be more hesitant, but uh, definitely like them here. All right. That brings to a close this episode of Wondergal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign up offer. Bet $1, get $200 free in New Jersey and Colorado. Uh, Anthony BJ, it's been a pleasure as always, at least recording the podcast has watching some of these teams just ruin my mornings, my afternoons, my holidays is not, but you know what they always say about wonder goal. We're a second half of the tournament podcast uh, in the round of 16 is where we're going to really get hot. one parlay away from getting it all back. We're really going to get hot. Uh, go USA. I will see you guys all in a few days as we preview the knockout stages until then best of luck with all your best.